Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are here. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. You know, this show's kind of like me growing up. There's not an empty seat at the dinner table. We've got a full house here today. Jessica is hosting. Doug is off. I do want to say, as I mentioned in the first hour today, and just jump in here real quick, Joanne Janoski's birthday is today. So happy birthday to the love of my life and many, Joanne Janoski. Indeed. Happy birthday, Joanne. I will spare you from my terrible singing voice and just wish you a wonderful day today. Might be good to keep some of the birds out of the garden. uh, And keep the deer out, right? Right, right. (laughs) Hey, listen, we are going to take the 10th caller right now from another great brand that is Sorgals out in Wexford. And that person won an incredible gift certificate, 412-922-1020. But a lot to get to, including Davy Trees coming up very soon, Eric Countryman. But right now, in for Doug, who's off, ladies and gentlemen, the organic gardener from the Trib Review. And of course, she is a nationally acclaimed author as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Walliser. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. I am horticulturist Jessica Walliser. And boy, do we have an exciting lineup on the show for you this morning. I have live from Toronto in studio two very good friends and fellow authors of mine. Uh, We have Steve Biggs, who is author of two incredible books, Grow Figs Where You Think You Can't and Grow Lemons Where You Think You Can't. So in the second segment, if you've got a question about growing citrus in Pittsburgh or Toronto, which is where they live, or you have a question about growing figs, I would encourage you to call in in that second uh, uh, segment here because we have a true expert with us in the house. And if he can grow figs in Toronto, we can grow figs in Pennsylvania. Real quick, let me be the first to say, so I guess they call him Mr. Biggs. What do you say? Figs. Big, bigs on figs. <laughs> figs on figs. And he talks all around the country, about, of the U.S. and Canada, about growing well, figs. Well, so Steve, gu- welcome. A couple Thank of you. guys from Canada made that character very famous, which was portrayed by a friend of mine, Frank DeLeo. Of course, Wayne's World, those oh, two guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Both Dana Carvey and company, uh, they both from Canada, and of course, yep. Mr. Biggs. So it's nice to have a, another Mr. Biggs in the studio from that great place north of the border. There you go. Nice to be here. And also on my left in the studio this morning is Steve's daughter, Emma. Can I share your age, Emma? Is that okay? Yep, that's okay. fine. Usually ladies don't like us to share their, you know, our ages shared. But Emma's 14. And what's crazy and awesome, in addition to just Emma being in general awesome, is Emma has authored a great really amazing gardening book. It's called Gardening with Emma, and it's uh, published by Story Publishing, which is one of the biggest publishers in uh, the gardening and farming and natural living uh, world. And Emma's book, your book came out... uh, February. In February of this year. Yep. So it's not even a year old. So I would love to talk to you, Emma. I have have a ton of questions. Um, And I think the first one that I want to ask is probably where everybody starts, which is how the heck did a 14-year-old girl come to be so passionate about gardening? Well, you know, it all started with dad. And when I was little, he'd get me to do simple things like pulling carrots and picking tomatoes. And then ever since then, I've kind of taken over more and more of his garden until now. And I own most of the garden. He just has most of his fig trees. And so it just started by him getting me interested young and it's continued. 
And I love how he gave you fun jobs to do in the garden, like picking tomatoes and pulling carrots. Yeah. My mom <laughs> gave me the weeding and the <laughs> shelling peas, which were not the fun jobs. So maybe that's the key to really loving gardening, right? From young yeah. is starting with those fun jobs. So, so then the next logical question I think is, how did this book come to be? Like, how did you get to write a book at 14 years old? Yeah, well, before this, a few years before we started writing the book, me and dad self-published a book about gardening with kids. And then he went to the publisher and said, do you want to reprint this? And they said, no, do you want to write another book about gardening with kids? And so that's how it started. And from then it was two crazy years of, we had a photo shoot, which was a lot of fun. Uh, we were just writing, rewriting, editing, getting sick of reading or what, what we wrote over and over again. And after, and then it finally came out in February. Yeah. So the, the pictures, you mentioned the pictures that they came out to do. So they had a professional photographer come out, shoot the pictures. A lot of them are taken in your garden, right? Yep. And I know your brothers both play starring roles in some of the photographs yeah, as well. Yeah, my brothers, Quinn and Keaton, are in lots of the photos. And so what was that experience like having the photographer? Like, did you have to pose and like, yeah, all that I mean, stuff? I had a sore mouth from smiling by the end of the day. <laughs> it was something I never really experienced before. But one of the things that sticks out in my mind is I learned a lot about photography that day from the photographer. I was asking them questions, but also we had set out the set for our idea of the rainbow garden. We had all these vegetables, every color of the rainbow laid out on the patio and then the photographer said, well, we have to wash the patio. And so I went and I got the hose and I sprayed down the patio. And then she said that we have to dry the patio. And so I went inside and I got my mom's hair dryer. Oh my God. And what I thought a session of taking photos was, was actually getting the patio ready and sitting there drying the patio stones with my mom's hair dryer. And so it was kind of funny. <laughs> That is really funny. That's very, very funny. And, you know, you, you mentioned a rainbow garden. I know a big part of your garden is something that comes in a rainbow of colors, and that's tomatoes. Yeah. And they're a passion of yours, mm -hmm. for sure. How many varieties do you grow? I had 133 la varieties last year. I haven't counted this year yet. So I think it's a couple more, maybe 140. And how big is your piece of property? It's about a third of an acre. And you're growing 100 and how many varieties of tomatoes? 133. And do you eat all of these tomatoes? We eat a lot. We yeah. freeze a lot. We give lots of weight away to neighbors. I so. bet your neighbors are very happy with your garden yeah. there. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, listen, uh, I encourage you to call in if you have questions for Emma about what her favorite tomato varieties are or you need some advice on that or of course we have our fig and lemon growing expert and of course there's me here too uh any gardening questions you have we'd love to hear from you so were, give were, a call. were you this intense at 14 i was definitely not i think that <laughs> i was i might have still been like playing with dolls uh with the neighbor kids in the basement <laughs> i was definitely not this ambitious that is for sure it's a pretty incredible and the book by the way gardening with emma grow and have fun a kid to kid guide and by the way, Mike Myers was the other person who happened. You couldn't come, you can come up sure, with that name. <laughs> no, I got to make sure I give him equal billing. Here. All right, listen, we'll come back. Lots to get to. We'd love to hear from you. you know, Emma's going to be here if you want to chime in with a question for her. And of course, we've got Eric Countryman coming up. It's uh, Davy Trees, Talking Trees. Doug Oster enjoying a well-deserved Sunday off. I guess it's well-deserved, right? Yeah, it's well-deserved. <laughs> okay, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, Instant Access, KDKRadio.com. Good morning. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. 
All right, uh, Mr. Countryman is in the building. Davy Trees Talking Trees coming up in just a little bit. Emma's spending some time with us. Gardening with Emma. Story Books is as far as the publisher. Amazon.com is where you can find that, wherever great books are sold. Jessica Hosting. Doug is off today. Let's head out to Cheswick and say hi to our first caller of the morning. Here is Sam. Hey, Sam, good morning. You're on KDK Radio. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I have a uh, question, maybe two questions, maybe one for Emma as well, but one for Jessica. I have a dehumidifier in my basement, and I collect an awful lot of water. And is that water good? I believe it's distilled water. Um, Is that actually good for my plants and vegetables? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, Oh, good, because someone told me they thought maybe... you know, it, it took nutrients or minerals or something out of the water when it's dehumidified. Well, it kind but, of does, but it's not anything that's going to, uh, you know, harm your plants in any way. And in okay. fact, in some ways, it's better than tap water because it doesn't have the chlorine in it. It doesn't have fluorine and some dissolved salts. So in that regard, it's, you know, almost better for your plants. Well, good, good, good. Then I'll, I'll start using that. Good. And maybe a, maybe a question for Emma. I... Um, I bought a tomato variety uh, several years ago from uh, Beechwood Farms, and I forgot to identify it. It has a shape, I believe it's an heirloom, uh, it has a shape of a pumpkin, and it's, it's actually sort of, rather than red, it's, it appears to be more orangish, but it has ribs like a pumpkin, and, uh, and the shape is a little flatter than round. Yeah, there's actually lots of varieties like that that are flattened and have the deep ribs in them. There's orange right. ones and yellow ones and red ones. Yeah, these are orange. These okay. Are orange. Okay. I've never actually grown a variety that's orange. I've grown a red one, a yellow one, and a purple one. So okay. I'm not quite sure which variety you have, but there's so many. Okay. And and, and what do you call that variety? I'm not is sure. It, I haven't grown that particular Well, he means variety. like a rib tomato like that. Is there like a special name for... No, I think... Right. that I know There's of either. The, the yellow one I grew was called Florentine Beauty. I grew a purple one called Purple Calabash. And so they all have their own names. That's kind of cool, the Purple Calabash, because the Calabash pumpkin is what we think of like a Cinderella pumpkin, isn't it? With oh, the big ribs. I didn't know that. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's sort of like named after those deeply ribbed pumpkins. Oh, and isn't neat. there one called Costelluto or something? Costelluto Genovese. Costelluto Mind my Gen- terrible Italian. And, and that's a red one, right? Yeah, that that's a red a, one. Yeah. Okay, again, that's Costelluto? Costelluto Genovese. With a good accent, pretend I have one. (laughs) She's got the Toronto accent instead of the Italian accent. You know, she's really starting to get on my nerves. Uh, Like, because she's well-spoken at 14 and you and I were blubbering in the corner? No, me, not you. She's very impressive. Get that book, Gardening with Emma. Thank you for the call. All right, so what are you going to be talking to Mr. Countryman about who's in the newsroom smiling right now over your shoulder? Oh, my gosh. We have so much to talk about. There is, uh, you know, we had this little bit of a dry spell with our trees. Um, I'm still hearing from people with cicada damage that have lots of questions about what to do about that. Um, and just s- summer things going on with our trees, which is, uh, you know, this is a time of year sometimes when pest and disease issues crop up. So we, we have a lot of questions for him. Should, for sure. you, should you not, as we await more callers at 866-391-1020, should you not even think about pruning at all this time of year or... 
Well, I mean, you know, shrub wise, yeah, yeah, not really. It's not really the prime time to be doing much pruning. The only thing I'm pruning in my garden right now are my perennials. So for perennials that have um, finished flowering, we're cutting them back. We're cutting the dead flowers off. Um, We might be pinching a little bit of the growth to sort of get some, um, encourage some new growth. But really this late in the season is not necessarily a great time to do much pruning because it's going to encourage a lot of new growth. And on trees and shrubs, that's not, a good thing because a lot of times it doesn't have the opportunity to harden off before winter comes and then we have a good bit of frost damage as a result of that so yeah Uh, so emma while we still don't have any callers on the line yet i do have a couple other questions for you and you know me being a bug fan and loving insects as i do one of the cool projects in gardening with emma that i love is your bug vacuum so tell everybody what that is and how it came to be Well, a lot of people have been really excited about the bug vacuum, and I know my brothers spend hours with it outside sometimes, just vacuuming up ants and bees and a whole bunch of different bugs. And so the bug vacuum is basically a recycled container of a a good size, so maybe a peanut butter jar size or bigger. And basically there's two tubes that go into it, one which you'll inhale through and one which you'll put over the bug and when you inhale it creates a vacuum in the jar and the bug will go up into the container and so it's that simple all you have to need is two pieces of tubing and the jar now a good thing to remember though is to have some mesh over the tube that you will be inhaling through unless you feel like inhaling some bugs <laughs> well and i wondered that that was actually going to be a question of mine have you have you ever or your brothers ever when they inhaled yeah well bug? before we put the mesh on I inhaled quite a few ants actually and that was not pleasant (laughs) I bet it isn't pleasant but it's really kind of a cool concept um, for kids who like to you know check out insects and that's really I think how we come to love nature is by handling it and checking it out carefully and what's cool about the bug vac is unlike some of those battery powered ones um, number one you're, you're making it yourself. So that's cool to have that little bit of engineering involved. And number two, it doesn't harm the bugs in any way, which is exactly. really, you can just take the lid off of the jar and release them. And yeah. not, it's not going to be problematic for them. Though I should add uh, something to remember when you're building your bug vacuum is you want a pretty good sized tubing because before we got big enough tubing, we had a big fat bumblebee that got stuck halfway through the tube and then we were blowing and it shot out at 100 <laughs> miles an hour. And it was kind of funny at the time, actually, but you don't want your bugs to get stuck in the tubing. So get a good sized tubing very, when you're doing very it. Very smart. Very, very smart. Um, another thing that is pretty cool about gardening with Emma that I really love is that you really focus on some pretty unusual garden crops, vegetable garden crops in there that kids can grow that might encourage them to taste some different vegetables because they're growing something a little bit funky. So tell me about a few of those. I love growing unusual things in the garden. I don't have many red tomatoes that I'm growing this year or many normal cucumbers. There's fun things like cucumelons, which are mini mini cucumbers that look like watermelons. They're about the size of an adult's fingernail. And they have a, the taste is tastes like a cucumber with a hint of citrus, and they're a lot of fun for kids. And then there's things like ground cherries, which is a little round dime-sized cherry, or it's actually a tomato relative. It tastes like a mix between pineapple and vanilla. To me, it tastes like candy. Mm-hmm. And then it comes in a papery husk, which is fun for kids to peel away. And then there's also things like no-heat hab- habanero peppers, which I've been growing, and it's a lot of fun 
because you get to know what that flavor is without all the heat, which most people can't even stand. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you're willing to take risks and experiment and grow some new things that are yeah. you know, out of the norm for the vegetable garden. I wish more grown-ups would do that. We get stuck in our rut and always grow the same varieties. Youth. Fun to branch out. Youth, so Youth exciting. Youth and energy yes. and amazingness it's all good and knowledge and thanks to dad she's doing a great Who job i'm totally i'm totally looking at emma and completely ignoring steve <laughs> i know so he's just looking, gonna, grinning ear to ear so happy right. to see his daughter i don't need to say too much yeah i know she's really good you know i think sometimes you just have a knack for things and you know it's like a great athlete great performer she's kind of like a gardening prodigy I there think. you go right oh i like that <laughs> gardening prodigy emma biggs all right, stay with, with a name like Biggs, you know. Yeah, you, you got to go big. Absolutely. That's right. All right, listen, stay with us. Davy Trees, here he comes, getting ready to come into the studio. Eric Countryman is here from Davy Tree. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. All right, if you're just joining us, I thought I was going to have to host the show the rest of the way myself. You, you okay over uh, there? Yeah, I almost just, the seat is really rolly, and I went to sit back in it, and it just... I think you're actually enjoying the show more than the listeners today. I said it's so fun to have a full studio in here today. You know, usually it's just you and I and Doug, and not that there's anything wrong with no, that. No, 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 no. But it's cool to have the whole crew here today. We're like expanding our minds and growing just like plants, And almost right? falling out of our chair in the process. That's yes. okay. We'll pick you up. Now, listen, here what we are going to do right now. We're going to take the 10th caller and win that incredible gift certificate, Janoski's. And if you're out there today, wish Joanne Janoski, give her some love and say happy birthday. Today's her big birthday. 10th caller gets that certificate at 412-922-1020. Let's do it. And now it's time for Talking Trees, a service of the Davy Tree Expert Company. And today, arborist Eric Countryman is joining us here on KDK. Good morning, Eric. Good morning, Jessica. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Well, we want to talk about plant health care and tree health care today. And this is a super important topic, not just this time of year, but all year round, especially we know we need all the trees we can get in this world. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about some of the issues that you're seeing cropping up with trees in Western Pennsylvania and um, maybe offer people what uh, what the signs of those diseases and pathogens are and then what they can do about them. So what's the most common one you're seeing nowadays? I would say the one that's uh, most prevalent right now that uh, causes the most concern would be anthracnose. Uh, it's a fungal disease. It gets into the tree leaves in the uh, early part of the spring when they're forming. But right now, they have yeah, you know, infiltrated the leaves. They're turning brown. They're curling. It really does make the tree look uh, very stressed. Uh, really common in dogwoods, which is probably the one that uh, upset people the most. Your beautiful dogwood will just start looking wilty and and uh, dead this time of the year. But it's also common in, in sycamore trees and in oaks, uh, sometimes in maples as well. Uh, you know, there's not a lot to do about it right now. The best you can do is to fertilize, to keep it watered when we're getting dry spells, to try to keep the tree as healthy as possible. Uh, and next year, to uh, you know, they'll be able to leaf out again after that. So it's not a death sentence. It's not a tree. death sentence. Yeah. No, okay. it, it, it'll just look uh, like the tree's really struggling. Right, right. And just because you had it this year doesn't mean that it's automatically going to return in subsequent years, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes it'll uh, on on the bigger trees, your sycamores, your oaks, it could get into the um, stems of the trees, and so you might get a more repeat occurrence. But again, health uh, and fertilization and water are going to be their best ways to push your tree through it. Okay. And the other question I'm hearing from a lot of people about right now are 
I'm going to describe them and then you tell everybody what it is. So when you, you have a maple tree or an oak tree and you look at the leaves and there's all these bumps and nodules and lumps and weird growths on those leaves. Yeah. Tell everybody what that is and why you shouldn't freak out about it. Sure. They're, uh, it's called leaf galls. G-A-L-L. Uh, they're just a, almost like an allergic reaction uh, from a bite of an aerified mite. So it's something that, again, happens earlier in the year, and now we're starting to see the effects. It really is not a problem. Again, the leaves are going to look shriveled. They may even start to defoliate, but it's really uh, just a seasonal thing, and it really doesn't affect the overall health of the tree. And depending on the species of the tree, galls can actually be quite beautiful, right? Sometimes they're formed like a teacup shape. Yeah. Sometimes they're like a little antenna-looking thing. Sure, yeah. It, it, uh, some people uh, might disagree on how beautiful they oh, are. Wow. But... I think they're cool. Let me <laughs> We use the word cool. I right? think, I, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I like them. And, you know, I guess probably most common ones are the red little fingers all over uh, maple leaves. Those yeah. are probably your most common. Oak, they get kind of look like little nuts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just a aesthetic problem. It really has no effect on the health of the so tree. So it's basically the mite feeds on the leaf and mm-hmm. then the leaf forms sort of like a scar tissue or like a tumor tissue. Pretty much, yeah. In response to that. And I love how you use the analogy of an allergic reaction, right? Yeah. So it's like, like a response that the tree has. And then does the mite live inside of that gall? Like No, they're ever, very or? short-lived. It's just okay. really early in the season uh, so, that they come out. So they don't really stay on the tree. Gotcha. And they're micro, I mean, they're microscopic. It's okay. pretty much impossible to see. Okay. Any other uh, pathogen issues that you're really seeing right now on trees? A lot of, is there a much needle cast happening right now? Uh, the needle cast in your spruce trees are, uh, it, it, yeah, we're, we're seeing some of that now. I mean, right now, it's actually a lot of heat stress um, from uh, that are, uh, are affecting our trees. Um, so when that fungus has like needle casting has got into the tree early again in the year now they're drying out and they're all the needles are falling off yeah and that is can be freak out a lot of people as well right because they see all of the uh the needles falling off and they think automatically that it's a bad thing yeah um, but and you're talking about that in terms of um spruce needle cast mm-hmm. but how about somebody who's growing like let's say a dwarf alberta spruce and they're seeing a lot of needle drop that can also be a pest issue too right absolutely uh that's the, the other thing that happens this time of the year in the hot part of the summer are mites um particularly on your Alberta spruces. You see them on boxwoods a lot. You see them in uh, hemlocks. And yeah, you're going to get that browning on the interior, kind of oranging of the of the plant. Uh, and then it'll start to fall off. And, you know, the best thing for that is, uh, you know, water is always <laughs> keeping things watered and fertilized. But then, you know, even if a light oil, if it's really bad, um, can be sprayed on the tree to try to smother the mites. Like a horticultural oil. Correct. Yeah. 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 And I always tell people, like, for me, um, spider mites and mites in general are really challenging to diagnose because mm-hmm. they're microscopic, right? So you either have to have a hand lens. Yeah. Or do you guys do the white paper method? Of when you, so describe what that is. So if someone wants to check their dwarf Alberta spruce for mites, what can they do? So you take a plain white piece of paper and you hold it underneath a branch and you give it a good shake. Tap the, the branch onto the white piece of paper, pull the, the paper away, and you can see the movement activity of whatever sort of 
bugs you were able to knock off. But mites are going to be hard because they're going to be very, very small. So you would need sort of a, you know, mic- or, uh, not a microscope, but a hand lens or, or something to be able to really see them. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they scurry so fast, yeah. but they are really, really tiny. I know for me, I have to like put my reading glasses on <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> to be able to see them on and, that. Page. And mites are a, an, an interesting problem because they can, they, they can get out of control and really hurt your plants, but there's herbaceous mites and there's uh, mites that eat other mites. And so by spraying them, sometimes you take out the, the beneficial mites. So it, it, it's more of a balanced thing. Uh, if, you, if you do have to interact with them, it, a light touch is usually the best way to go. And I know that for a lot of times, if people use chemical controls on mites, sometimes that actually stimulates their reproduction yes. and makes them you know, makes the problem a lot worse. Correct. Um, and you can actually buy beneficial mites in mm. little sachets or little packets that mm-hmm. you hang in the tree that's infested with the pest mites. And then they go out and they Perfect. and they prey on them and eat them. And so that sometimes I think can be a good control for them. Another thing well. is sometimes people make a mistake early in the year with a, with chemicals. They use, um, you know, like a systemic insecticide, like a midocoprid, which actually stimulates mite activity too. So it's something you did early in the year and now you're going to have a kind of bad effects from it. Yeah, that imidacloprid, man. It's bad. It's, yeah. it's bad. It's, and I just want to explain real quick before we go uh, to the next break about what that is. So it's a, it's a chemical synthetic um, pesticide and it's systemic which means it tra- it's absorbed into the plant and then it travels throughout all plant parts in the vascular tissues of that plant which means it also goes into the pollen and nectar and this is extremely harmful to our pollinators both honeybees and our native insects and our butterflies because they're drinking that nectar that's infused with that pesticide and this is what's in traditional chemical lawn grub killers so this is why I always tell people please do not use those lawn grub killers that you buy, you know, in the hardware store because they're all active ingredient imidacloprid. And, you know, a lot of times we blame the big farmers for mm-hmm. using all of these chemicals, but in so many cases, it's actually the homeowners that are misusing them. So it's a big one to skip for me for sure. But for more information about Davy Tree and to ask what's going on with your trees, go to Davy.com slash KDKA. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. And thank you, Eric. Stick around. We might have some questions for you too. Okay, great. Thanks. All right, stay with us because Eric is going to stick around as is Emma and the number to dial on the program is 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDKRadio.com. And congratulations in order for Jenny and Baden, who won that gift certificate from Janoski's. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners are on KDKA Radio. So with us today also, but not in studio, is our Mrs. Know-it-all, Denise Schreiber. She's a horticulturist, fellow garden writer, and our garden goddess. Good morning, Denise. How are you? Hi, good morning. And hi, Stephen and Emma. It's been a while since I've talked to you. Hello. Hi, Denise. <laughs> So, um, a couple of things today. One, I am holding a canning class uh, August 21st, and I'm going to cover, you know, water bath processing. I'm going to cover freezing. I'm going to cover drying. Um, I'm going to have some samples. So, I have a black cherry sauce and a blueberry sauce that you can put on waffles or, my favorite, ice cream. Nice. <laughs> and, and I'm going to talk a little bit on pressure canning, although um, most people don't do it, but I will talk about it for those people who are interested in it. And where so, and when can, where is this class? When is it going to happen and how can people sign up? 
actually, it's going to be at my house. Ooh. And um, they can get me either at Edible Flowers, on the number one, at AOL.com, or they can call 412-736-0010. And when is the class? And it is August 21st. It's at 7 in the evening, so if you're working, you won't miss out. And we always have a good time, you know, when I've done this class, so it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's wonderful. I hope you get lots of registrants for it, and then when you're done, you can bring me some of that sauce for the pancakes and ice cream and waffles because I like that too. All right. The Dollar Bank Instant Access real quick. We want to make sure we get this on before we are done for today. A couple of strawberry plants, hanging baskets. Should I put those in a ground can and can I keep them in the garage over winter? Uh, Strawberry plants? Yeah, you can. You'd be better off sinking that hanging basket like into the compost pile or into the garden somewhere. Just take the whole basket and sink it down in the ground to help insulate those roots and then you can take it back out again in the spring. But you could try it in the garage as well and just water it maybe once or twice in the winter and you'll be good to go all right margie north hills go ahead how are you good morning welcome to kdk radio hello yes good morning margie hi i was wondering why are my tomatoes have a hard stem up in the center like so, a four. Yep, sure. So uh, we have Emma Biggs with us today, who's a gardening expert at only 14 years old. Do you have any ideas for her as to why that might be happening? I don't, actually. I know a lot about tomato varieties, but I'm not, I've never heard of that. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking it's probably because of inconsistent watering. Are you growing your tomatoes in a container or in the ground? In a container yep. and in the ground. Okay, so... Both. Okay, so it's particularly important with container-grown tomatoes that we consistently water and that we water really deeply. A lot of times people will just kind of go out and they'll spritz, I call it the splash and dash, right? So they spritz a little water on the top of the soil and they call it a day. And when that happens, you're really not getting down deep into the container where the plant can really absorb a lot of water. And when we have inconsistent watering like that, it can lead to both blossom end rot and hardcore inside of the, uh, the center of that tomato so I think that might have a little bit to do with it it also can be a varietal issue is this happening all in the same variety of tomato uh, the tomato is a pick right yeah so it's all the same variety of tomato and that's one reason yeah. why I often tell people to grow more than one variety because if you have an issue like this that is also can be varietal related and it crops up in one variety, it won't affect the others. And so then you are still going to be able to get a good harvest. So I suspect it's a combination of inconsistent watering and then just the varietal issue as well. All right. Thank you for the call. Up next, here's one that uh, Eric can jump in on. It's Tom in Plum. Tom, how you doing? Welcome to the Organic Gardeners, KDK Radio. Good morning. Hello, hey, t- yes. Uh, my apple trees, uh, the leaves started falling and uh, now it is all the leaves and all the apples have fallen off the tree. More than likely, it's probably apple scab disease. Uh, It's, again, fairly common aesthetic uh, disease, but it will lead to that early defoliation and you can lose the fruit from it. Um, The only thing really to to do is uh, the best thing uh, is... uh, 
to is to clean up all those leaves as they fall. The spores are on them. They're splashing back up into the, the tree and then be very diligent in uh, with your fall cleanup to keep that area under the tree as clean of the leaves as possible. Good fertilization and watering are always the best things for them. Even if they're not, the leaves are uh, off now, watering is still very important. And this was a super wet season this year. And I think just because you had it this year doesn't mean you're going to get it next year. If we have a drier spring, yeah, less likely to have it. Very, very true. But uh, it, it, it can be a common problem. But a lot of times people, again, they, they just don't clean up the leaves. And all of that fungus is right underneath the tree, just splashing right back up into it. So it's very important to keep the area clean. All right, let's take uh, Jim and Mars up next for the uh, gang in studio today with Jessica, who's hosting the Organic Gardeners. Doug is off. Hi, Jim. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Hey, uh, Jess, when could I, when should I, if I wanted to transplant knockout roses, when would be the time, in the spring or late fall or what? Um, you could do it either time, but I actually prefer to, to uh, transplant roses in the spring. I like to do a lot of stuff in the fall, like shrubs and perennials and trees. But for roses, I tend to have better results by pruning in the spring. So I let the plant stand all winter long. I don't do any pruning or anything like that. And then in the spring, you're going to see where the new growth is just beginning to bud up and emerge. And then Cut all of the dead stems off, and that's the perfect time to go ahead and dig that rose up and then move it to the new site. And you'll have to make sure that you keep it well watered through that whole first year. All right. Thank you very much. Listen, we only have about a minute left, so let's see if we can get this call in real quick. Susan, uh, we're on the clock. Uh, What's your question? Welcome to KDK Radio. Thank you, and good morning. I'm calling about iris and peonies. We just don't do anything with those. Do they need to be trimmed back? And if so, when? Great question. So with the irises, I like to prune those back in usually July or August because they sort of start to look a little bit ratty as the summer progresses. And so I cut them back. I'll pull off any dead stems altogether or dead leaves, and then I'll cut the remaining foliage back about halfway so that their fans get cut back halfway. And that will stimulate new fern or new frond production, new leaf production, and really give a fresh look. And then with the peonies, I actually leave my peonies stand all winter long and I cut them back the following spring after the the, um, winter has passed and and they're ready to generate new growth. So a lot of good questions today. I'd like to thank all of our guests for joining us in studio. This was super fun to have every seat full in here. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to help you create a better place to garden and a safer place to live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.